Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 506. Uh, this is, in fact, uh, the Sonic Talk podcast is doing music technology, so I'm a bit distracted. We've had all sorts of network issues here, which have been uh, a bit distracting. But anyway, Sonic Talk is a podcast that talks about music technology and all such like uh, uh, associated topics, controllers, software, uh, synthesizers, drum machines, you know, controllers, all that kind of stuff. So uh, welcome one and all. I want to say thank you very much to Isotope. They are sponsoring the competition this week. Uh, you can win a full copy of Isotope's RX6, the kind of de facto standard for audio rest and repair work, uh, an absolute must-have if you uh, work with audio in any way. So uh, please do stay tuned. That should be coming up about halfway through the show, about in about half an hour or so. Anyway, I want to say hello to our guests. I'm going to start with Mr. Robbie Bronneman. We haven't seen Robbie for ages. Hello. MD for Howard Jones and various other bands. He's been producer, composer. He's been on the road for what seems like months, and now uh, we're battling with a slightly iffy network connection. So we're going to try and get as much as we can out of him. How are you? Very good, thanks. Yeah, nice to be back. Yeah, yeah. Just been just finished one project. Actually, just started a brand new mixing an album this week for um, Tom Bailey of the Thompson Twins. So, um, so yeah, it's all all good fun. Yeah. Oh, has he got any of those lovely uh, those lovely bass those lovely bass sounds that uh, um, what was it, Doctor Doctor Bam Baron? That was yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. There's, there's a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it's it's classic Thompson Twins stuff. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I'm glad to hear it. So. Um, uh, and you're back. Are you back for a while, or are you? Are you? Uh... I'm back for the whole of, back for the whole of this month, and then. Well, I say the whole of this month. It's two weeks to go, and then I've got two weeks of um, meetings in LA for various possible film and, and production things, and then two week tour uh, East Coast with Howard end of October. Then we back, and then we've got a week in the Dominican Republic doing a gig, and then we've got a big UK tour with Howard. So. Wow, yeah. plenty, plenty busy then. And, yeah, all going on, all going down. Well, lovely to have you, Robbie. It's a pleasure as ever. And uh, we'll flip over to uh, Mr. Ty Unwin, a media composer and producer. Just been finishing a project. Um, we haven't seen him for a while, so he's been ensconced in the uh, in the studio, uh, just <laughs> kind of working on mixes and and all the other stuff that you do. How are you, Ty? Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, just recovering. Literally, my this is my first day of. Uh, my first proper day off in <laughs> and you're in I, the studio I, working <laughs> well no this isn't working this isn't working <laughs> who tells you this is working well that's very yeah that's very true actually exactly. it's, it's just car oh, general chat conversation so um can you are you at liberty to discuss what it is you've been working on well i think yeah most people know it's, it's a new midior album and i don't know if i can tell you what it is but it's something quite special and it's, it involves uh, real orchestras, and um, it's a big it's a big project, and it's an album that's coming out in December. And uh, the main thing is is that everyone that's heard it is being blown away by it, which is really that's important. So no, it's good. So which is the right result? The right result you want, isn't it? Really, it is, we we literally haven't had one negative comment about it yet, not one from anybody. So. <laughs> so yes very very good excellent well i am totally glad to hear that and i'm pleased that you were able to join us this week that's been awesome and we also have mr charles chicky reeves who is a composer remixer front of house guy uh, amongst many other talents uh, and charles is from his studio in london uh, sublime-uk.com uh, how are you charles i'm doing very very well it's good to be back here 
So this is a this isn't work. This is a day off. This is nice. I like this. Ooh, I'm glad that was a nice to tone. Yeah, nice ringtone. <laughs> Sorry, that was my aircon. Sorry, I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> In the end, made a noise like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I only buy. I only bought the aircon because it had a nice tune when it switched off. No other reason. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Charles, it's lovely to have you aboard as ever, and uh, I guess we should probably get get into some topics because there are a number of them. Uh, I think the first one is this, and I'm sure you will have stuff to to, to say. This is the. The Embertone John Bell instrument. No, sorry, Joshua Bell instrument. Who is a, a, I think he's a Grammy Award winning violinist and he plays the Strad and apparently everybody loves him. I'm afraid I'm not au fait with the classical world, so I'll have to take the Embertone's word for it. But this is the result of his, him being in the studio multi sampling. I guess this is kind of key group uh, contact five lost his switching and this this video goes on for quite some time and it's just just full of these beautiful articulations and it really does sound very impressive i know embertone are, are kind of well known for their sort of single instrument stuff they did some beautiful cellos they've done some really you know just meticulously sampled single instruments and I know that often, um, you know, with a solo instrument, it's quite hard to fool and you might actually hire somebody to play. But when you've got somebody like Joshua Bell playing for you, you might you might just go with it. I'm going to come to you first, Ty, because I know a man who uses a lot of orchestral stuff. And uh, have you got any Embertones, Kit? I've got all of them. Yeah. Ah. And, uh, and I've got this. And it's... Uh, yeah, this has been on the radar for a good few months. They started... Um, little snippets on the the website for a few months ago about this and the build up to this and so i've kind of been keeping in touch because the ambitone stuff is really nice all their solo strings so far uh have been really they've been the sampling has been fantastic the only criticism i'd have of it is that the actual tone of the uh instruments it's not that it's a bad tone but like we said before you know kind of orchestral instruments they all sound different you can take, you know, half a dozen violins and they all sound different. And depending on what mics, obviously, and, and the room and everything, they all have a different tonal quality. And the only problem I have with the open tone stuff is you have to find the right uh, piece and the right tone for it to fit well. And if you do, then it works. Uh, but there are, for me, there are other libraries that have done it better, like Chris Hines' solo strings, uh, some of the VSL solo strings and whatever. But I've been keeping an eye on this Joshua Bell stuff. And it's very good. Again, the the it is very convincing. It is very realistic. But the bottom line is, I find with samples, and I don't have a problem with this. I kind of write around the samples, so it's all about the legato, you know, kind of scripting. And there are some leaps, and there are some techniques that don't quite work. But you know, I'm being really hyper fussy here, and they don't quite work. But I have no issues sitting there going, "Well, do you know what? I'm not going to." work around that interval i'll work on one that does sound does sound right or does sound good to make it work within the samples but this is this is probably up there there's this and the chris hine solo violin i think they're the two best solo violins on the market at the moment it's great and again for the money it's it's 
it's really yeah it's uh, 179 it's really bucks good. early discount which, by the looks of it uh which honestly yeah, what, for what you get is fantastic and it's a priceless violin and i guess it's a way to i mean because you can definitely hear there's a specific style to the playing there's a similarity so i mean i guess you're getting kind yeah. of He's, he's sampled the soul from uh, Joshua Bell. Robbie, is this the sort of thing that you might find a use for? I mean, I know you use a lot of library stuff, but I don't know whether you use solo instruments so much or whether you're more on the uh, kind of ensemble things. Um, I'm not I'm not particularly very... Um, I don't ne- use that many solo um, instruments very often. I'm not actually, if I'm honest, particularly confident with them. That looks like we might have had a lost connection. I'm going to pull that back here. Charles. Oh, no, he's back. He's back. Oh, he's, oh, he's back. back. Oh, he's back. He's back. Is he back? I'll talk about it if you want, though. Hello? Ah, <laughs> uh, Robbie. Did you hear Try again. Try again. Sorry. Yeah, no, well, you okay. were just saying you weren't particularly confident with solo instruments, to be honest, if... And then we lost you. So we'll try one more time. Yeah, I mean, I use them occasionally, but I always feel, I always feel like I'm going to be found out because I'm not that... I don't think this is going to work. That's so sad. Charles. Yes, yes. I, I love it. I love this thing. I don't have it. I want it, though. Um, but, yeah, similar to Robbie, though, I, I, I don't use that much solo instrumentation like that. Um, but this is definitely something I, I want. And, you know, to be able to, <laughs> to have a Stradivarius at your, at your fingertips is pretty damn cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I love the sound of it. I, I come from a classical background, and I absolutely love this. Love this. So, yeah. I'll yeah, it. it's interesting. There's something about uh, being able to. I mean, I remember back from the early days of sort of sampling. You know, there was a, there was a violin. I think it was recorded by Stuart Gordon a long time ago, uh, and it did the rounds for the Akai, and it was very expressively played. It wasn't the key switching or anything, but it was just a lovely voicing. So, and you would just find yourself playing to it, and you could, you know, and, and the ability to be able to emulate through the scripting. The, the nuance of a real instrument. And there was a saxophone, a similar saxophone sample that was very Ben Webster, very breathy, that just felt lovely to play. And you would try and incorporate it somehow. But uh, I, I think I take your point about that, Ty. It's, you know, it's, sometimes it works, sometimes you would sort of tend to write around it because that's the way you like to play it. So, Yeah, and I think the thing is with classical instruments, it's like I said, you just, you know, because you have to accept that there are so many things that go into that particular sound. It's not like when you have a piano if you're doing piano samples essentially the piano is the sound of the piano and as long as you've got any half decent knowledge of how to mic up a piano you know you can get a, a fairly convincing uh, piano sample library the problem is with with when you do solo instruments like this it is all about so many variables in terms of uh, obviously the player obviously the instrument the, the mics the room and what has quite often happened is the fact that because with technology um the libraries can just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger so they're adding articulations they're adding more legato um uh, patches and all that kind of thing it's fine but somewhere along the line and a few libraries um what they've actually lost is the actual player and the sound of the instrument does that does that make sense they've kind of lost what is actually the core of the sound and so there's as i said there's some great libraries that have all the articulations known to man but the overall sound isn't isn't that great the sound of the instrument and this is one of those exceptions where it really is you know kind of they've they've kind of it's you know he's a great player with a great instrument and they've done a great job of doing the library so um 
there's this one and also if you ever come across the veer harmonic one as well the veer harmonic um libraries solo string libraries they they're all the same a complete different sound though you know you can never have enough when it comes to this for me you can never have enough because they you always struggling to find that one that will fit in that piece in that way right. oh, so, i see yeah 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 i can i can mm. understand in the same way that if you hired uh, a violinist i mean we, we always used to do this whenever we um had uh so Stuart used to come and do string sections for us and he always used to bring three or four violins so he would track he would he would make up a string section but he would use different violins yeah. and different bows and stuff just to kind of create yeah. that that kind of different sound he became kind of the specialist he was like the this violin specialist uh, sadly passed away now but a great chap always used to say hey nick how you doing he was from newcastle i won't attempt it he said how's your bum for cracking walnuts is was his opening line in many occasions which is uh, a very bizarre <laughs> one to use but there we go um i'm going to move on I'll to the next one because i i see robbie's come back so i might we might be able to get him to uh i've moved over to tethering okay Oh, I think what I actually did there, I'll try that again. Just play I, the end. The, I just played the end. <laughs> so we might try that again. Let's try that right from the beginning this time, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> this is the uh, GR1 granular. Hardware granular synthesizer, which seems to have cooked up a bit of a storm recently uh, on Kickstarter. Uh, they started off looking for 30,000 euros and they end up with 66 and a half, which is kind of an impressive so thing for such a specialist so far. Oh, it's still open, is it? Uh, 13 days to go, my goodness. Yeah, uh, Robbie, I, yeah. I, I put this in in honour of you, really, because you actually uh, yeah. mentioned that you'd, um, that you, you'd signed up for it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I was following this as soon as I heard about it. I mean, I've been a, I've been using granular sampler things, whatever, whether they were in like a alchem, um, what was it? Oh, what's that synth that's gone off the top of my head? Alchemy. Uh, alchemy. Yeah, alchemy, and then you know all all the other ones that come along. I tried a bit in Falcon. I've been using all the all the iPad apps and all that for ages, incorporating that into my production. So. Um, I know a lot of people are going, oh, it's just got like a Raspberry Pi or something inside it. It doesn't seem like worth the money and all that. But it's that whole thing, isn't it, of it's 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 that tangible on physical format that will be really nice. So, you know, I, I, I was absolutely, yeah, exactly what I've been waiting for some to get up to it. So, yeah, I'm very excited. Excellent. And what is, I mean, because you, I remember um, you were, you've been into sort of granular level editing of samples and, and that side of thing for quite a long time. So is this, what is it specifically about it that uh, that attracted you? Is it that, that it's, it's a dedicated hardware thing so you can use it on its own or is it just the kind of the things yeah, that it can do specifically? So I, I'm using the iPad apps and there are a few that I would still use along like Borderlands and things like that. I, I kind of realise, to me, it's probably going to be the same kind of vibe as why I want to order my OP1. It's because everything's immediately there in just a simple, simple-to-use package, and it's nicely built. And, you know, instead of having to boot the iPad up and work out if it's still connected up through my iConnect with the audio link thing and all that business, it's just there as a bit of hardware. And, um, you know, and I can just 
you know, throw stuff into it and get on and make some make some music with it, which is what it's all about, really, for me. Yeah, yeah I'm just showing some of the uh, close-ups of the webpage here, and it looks like it's kind of, you know, obviously got USB connection. Maybe it does look like it might be a Raspberry Pi 2 or some sort of Arduino looking at the connections of the port. Yeah, hey, Ty, you're... I mean, I don't... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, which, which is surprising no, that really it could do all of that. Yeah. It uh, looks like uh, it's about 749 or 849. All the early bird stuff's gone. They're now available at 849. So it's not a cheap thing. I mean, Ty, you're legendarily uh, uh, um, risky when it comes to backing Kickstarter stuff. You know, uh, <laughs> you, you, I remember you saying something about I shouldn't ever do that again. I don't know whether or not you're tempted with something like oh, this. Yeah. Whether... And how many times, yeah. And how many times have I done it since I said I will never do that again? Yeah. <laughs> Lots. <laughs> um, uh, but I'll never do it again. Um, no, th- this looks great. This looks really good. And if it wasn't for one thing, and I don't know whether the one thing that's holding me back is actually true because I can't find out. But basically, I would jump on this because, like Robbie, I use you know kind of some of the granular, granular apps, and it has a certain sound, and I love it. And I was a big Alchemy user as well. Um, but I've got a, one of the Waldorf Quantums on order. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but that was the kind of hybrid thing. That's with, got some granular um, stuff as well, yeah. And it, apparently it's got quite a, it's quite an in, got an in-depth granular engine in it. If I didn't have that on order, I would have I would have been definitely one of the early birds. I would have been in there straight away. But I'm just kind of on the fence at the moment because as much as I do want one of these, because I think they look great, and I can understand why Robbie wants one mainly because there is a different we all know the days of when you use something hardware when you use something with knobs and sliders and everything is a dedicated it always feels different to having a touch screen on an ipad and the just the way it feels make you makes you approach it differently it makes you write differently and anyone that says otherwise is talking rubbish you do approach it and treat it differently if it's of hardware and that's why i have so much hardware because you know i love the idea of dedication so i love that but i'm just very i'm thinking you know i could buy this and then when the um, quantum arrives in a couple of months time it's going to be kind of superfluous to requirements and that's the only reason i haven't bought one but at the Mm. same time no one can give me any details about the granular you know kind of the granular engine in the in the quantum so i'm going to be a bit peeved if you know, quantum arrives and it doesn't have this a similar. But we'll find out, won't we? Yeah, I yeah. guess. So. But it's great. Granular, it's wonderful. Gra- granular synthesis is not something I've really got into. I must admit. Um, this uh, just a bit. It's uh, 128 grains per voice times 16 voices, so 248 grains in parallel, which I'm guessing is quite a lot. <laughs> that sounds like a a massive cluster of notes. Uh, A7 full, seven inch full color display, USB sticks, USB audio interfaces, PC keyboards. Charles, is uh, granular something that you kind of dig? I'm guessing you know your love of that sort of ambient vibe might uh, might well draw you towards this sort of technology as well, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I you know, I'll side with both Ty and, and Robbie on this. I, I'm very into the idea of something that's dedicated, mainly because I've had kind of every soft synth that there is, and um. And I'm I'm tired of stuff that I can't open anymore because you know this you know system software doesn't support it or a certain program doesn't support it or whatever. So 
in the past few years, I've gotten very much into dedicated boxes that do things, you know, and, and this looks really cool. I, I don't care if it's just a Raspberry Pi. As long as it sounds good, that's all I really care about. And, you know, it's something that, you know, provided it doesn't deteriorate too much over time, it'll basically last forever. <laughs> you know, it'll it'll always sort of be there. And I'll, I'll develop a workflow on something like that. And I don't have to change that workflow. And, you know, because even when you get software updates for various pieces of, of software, you know, you, it, it will affect your workflow. Maybe it's better, maybe it's worse, who knows? But I love the idea of, like the OP1, I love just having it all right there. I know it's always going to be there. If the computer isn't working, it'll still be there, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I suppose so. I... About, so, I was going to say, all this thing about only having a Raspberry Pi inside is a, it's, it's absolute nonsense. It makes no difference what's inside. I'm sure if you opened up an Oasis or also what the processing power in there was, it's not going to be great. I know for a fact on my Neuron that cost me, I mean, how much was a Neuron when they came out? Almost four grand or something. It, when you open it up, it was a really bottom of the range Pentium 2 processor, which was already <laughs> obsolete. When Honestly, when they launched the Neuron, the processing power inside was already obsolete before it even got to market. Now, can you imagine on a four, four grand synth or whatever it was, turning around and going, well, I'm not going to buy one of those because it's only got a Pentium 2 in it, you know, or <laughs> Pentium 3 or whatever. It makes no difference what's inside. What do, Does it do what it promises it's going to do? And does it do what it does do work for you? And, you know, I don't care what's inside. No, I think that's a very good point. I would also say if it has... If it has actually got a, a Raspberry Pi in it, that's great because you could replace the guts of it for twenty five quid if it if it goes down. Eh, Robbie? Yeah, that, well, it has. Yeah, that is well, what I mean, it's inside. I mean, yeah, it's, it's exactly what Ty says. It's 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 always the sum of the parts, isn't it? I mean, like like he says. I mean, you only have to know about opening something like this. System Eight has probably got virtually nothing in it, but the fact is, it's 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 whether you can go to it and um, be inspired and make make great music with it out the box you know and that's that's all that matters really as opposed to analyzing the the, the cost of what all the components cost no yeah, I, no, that's, I never that's... said i never said i could make great music that never came into the equation uh, i mean <laughs> 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 I, I have to say, I well. have to say, Robbie, the uh, the System Eight does make for a very handsome backdrop to your shot. There, it's uh, it's worth its weight it in its price in LEDs alone. I would say that that does look very uh, very tasty. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Are you finding your user? Because I remember we spoke to you last time. We spoke to you. You were starting to kind of integrate it. Did you have you found it? Uh, it, it yeah, offers... I've, used, I've used it a lot, and that's why I've got it right here beside me because I kind of get to it straight away. Um, yeah, I've, 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 I've totally, I've totally dispelled all that. This is just a digital thing that I can plug in or whatever, and just, just got on and used it, you know, and enjoyed using it and having it there and being able to reach out and pretty much control everything I want to. So, you know, that's kind yeah, of how it's great synth. Yeah, it is. Well, it's a great instrument, which means, you know, it, it, they're not necessarily the same thing, but because it's actually a really well-thought-out instrument, it, the synthesis becomes more intuitive, even though when you look at it, it's only got, you know, one LFO or whatever. It, that doesn't matter somehow in that instance. Right. Um, uh, yeah, if you want to check that out, there's a Kickstarter link. Uh, I can't see what it is. It's some massively long URL, so I won't speed it out. But it's the GR1 Hardware Polyphonic Granular Synthesizer for those who, uh, who are interested. Uh, we will um, just have, take a short break uh, where we'll have a message from our friends over at Isotope. Isotope. 
Isotope, of course. This is the RX6. This is their uh, industry standard audio restoration repair. More of a repair. Great if you've got uh, noisy recordings, clipped recordings, breath noises, clicks, buzzes, uh, DSing. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff that it does. The sort of suite of plugins really does make it a very useful tool if you work with audio in any way because you're going to find that it's going to repair something that you thought maybe was over. Deep plosive, deep breath, particularly for modern vocal production where everybody wants to put a lot of top end on it, you need to kind of be able to clean up the vocal. All of those are available in the music production bundle and uh, you can check it out at isotope.com forward slash rx6 where there's a fully functional 10-day demo. And, of course, uh, there is a competition, uh, isn't there, Ty? <laughs> As I switch to you yes, accidentally there. Is. there. Yes. There is a competition, <laughs> which we're isotope very kindly running again this week. Uh, we are asking you to tweet the hashtag MixerFixer. That's one word, MixerFixer, and the hashtag RX6 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And uh, if you do that, you'll get uh, access to the competition. Uh, we will use the... Uh, the certified random no- random number generator to be able to pick the winner. So if you want to enter the competition, uh, you tweet the hashtag MixerFixer, one word, and the hashtag RX6 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And uh, we have a winner from last week. Last week's winner is um, somebody called James, uh, 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 whose twit- Twitter handle is Meridian Saint Recording or Meridian Street Recordings or Meridian Street Rec, rather, at Meridian Street Rec. And they tweeted, uh, please pick me. How can I bribe your random number generator? Well, bizarrely, you didn't have to re- you didn't have to bribe it. Just you were just actually the person that got picked this time. So congratulations. If you get in touch, we'll be able to uh, get Isotope to furnish you with a copy of the uh, RX6 uh, music production bundle. So thanks again to Isotope for their uh, sponsorship of the competition prize. Right, uh, I wanted to do this one. Hey everybody, my name is Trevor Root. I'm here from Roland, hanging out with my buddies Unique Squared. I'm here to talk about the new SPDSX sampling pad. This is a really hot piece on the market. It's the only sampling pad on the market. It also has over three hours of sampling time right in this frame. Um, some really cool things about it, you get a Wave Manager software, uh, software disc. Right, I'm not going to play it. The SPDX in itself is not new, uh, SPDSX rather, but there is, uh, with the recent kind of Roland experience thing, they announced uh, an updated version, which is now sparkly red, uh, which might or might not match your drum kit, but it's also got, uh, I think, it's, is it eight times the memory? So it's got 16 gigs of RAM in it, so you can basically record a ton of stuff. Now, I didn't really kind of, you know, it, that in itself is not big news, but uh, what it, what I thought was kind of interesting is, you know, it used to be there were certain ways if you want to trigger samples, you had to use certain technologies. And the SPD-SX seems to have kind of replaced uh, a lot of those things that you always used to be a set of pads, maybe an Akai, an Octopad and an Akai or whatever. And now this seems to have really kind of taken hold or as the sort of the, the, the system of choice for uh, triggering samples and, and drum sounds live. And I don't know uh, if I come to you first, Robbie, because you might still be there. Um, yeah. do, that, if I remember correctly, does your drummer use something like this or are they using kind of in the box solution? Well, for years, um, Johnny used main with a electric kit and yeah. although it's been great um uh there were two or three times with little things that tripped up um so we kind of had a revamp this year and he's gone back to a he's got the latest yamaha kit oh right okay. with some other stuff added to it 
um, just because it's all in a hardware brain. So effectively, all you know, whatever it is, samples you load, this all were made over the years, you know, from the albums and stuff, but they're all just loaded directly into the brain. Right, so that kind of makes sense. Oh, that's interesting. Charles, I know you do a lot of front of house. So uh, are you, do you see the SPD-SX there? Because I've noticed there's a lot of kind of... Uh, there was one guy in particular who is... Uh, I'm trying to think where who it is now. I think I had the link for it, but I can't seem to find it now. Um, do you find that this gets used in place of what, what used to be in the past? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, um I, because we couldn't quite hear what Robbie was saying, Johnny from Howard's band uses it does use the Yamaha brain, but he did use main stage, and yeah. it was pretty tricky, and it, it crapped out a few times. Um, and, but I, I do use the, or I don't personally use it. But the a drummer for OMD uses the SPD. Um, ever since I've worked with them, I've been with them for years now, um, and it's also gotten to the point where it's just it's just been beaten up so much that it's time to replace it. So I can very much see that they're going to get one of these. I mean, they're not, they're not that expensive anyway. So I think they're about 600 it's, quid, it's, aren't they? Something like that. Six, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's dedicated. It can take a beating. It's got lots of memory. We can store everything we need in it. And, it, and supposedly this is a lot easier to navigate than previous versions as well. So yeah. So I, I can very much see that we're going to end up getting one of these. Um, uh, not probably not for this upcoming tour, but probably for our U.S. tour, which was just announced, uh, which we'll be doing next March and April. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I remember we used to use the Octopads, uh, which were the precursor. They were sort of more vinyl, and they weren't a lot of fun. And the the, the kind of the Octo uh, and the SPD. Uh, I think there was an SPD eight, which uh, was went to rubber pads. But yeah, the me- the navigation system was a nightmare. This seems to be increased. But and that video I was watching, I played the beginning of. There's some really good demos because you can actually just have a live sampling input and hit to start and stop slices. So you can basically sl- auto slice stuff up create these kind of stems a lot of people are you this um this chap uh jack garrett that's the guy um who is a kind of looper a multi-instrument he drums with one hand and he's um he uses it or was using it for t- triggering entire sections of songs so he'd hit you know like a, a keyboard or a, a stem and then play along with it on the other pads and it, it enables him mean, this is the thing with good pad systems it enables you to kind of get really creative and maybe not necessarily be using the uh the kind of ableton live route i mean although i think he is now because he's you know he's got quite big and and wants to sound like the record a bit more and has got a bit more of that stuff going on but it, i think i had a bit of video from him here i don't know whether it's he's playing the guitar at the beginning let me see if i can find a bit where he starts to i think he starts to play you see how he uses it So he just uses one hand, plays, and then with the other hand, plays the keyboard. I mean, it's bonkers, actually, what he does. I mean, and uh, he's he's full of soul, yet completely tethered to technology. So this is something that's enabled him to do it. I know, Ty, I'm, you know, I know you were an NPC guy. This is like a big NPC you hit with a stick, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, when of, I used to, without I used the sequencer. To, yeah, basically, it is basically. I mean, when I was doing live stuff with Redbox, we used to use, you know, kind of, I used to, trip, to do finger pads, um, mainly because I was doing finger pads and trying to play a bit like Jack Hurt, really, trying to play at the same time. And so um, the sticks would have got in the way. So I was using finger pads. Um, I, I don't do kind of live stuff uh, now, really. So it's all in the studio. So um, uh, when I used 
pads. I've got an HP D10 and I've got an MPCX, which is meant to be arriving, landing any minute. Um, but then I've got bot pads as well, which I use with sticks, you know, the new Keith McMillan yeah. stuff, that which are fantastic. Um, and I've got wave drums and things. But those are all triggering, apart from the wave drums, they're all triggering you know, kind of things in the studio, you know, kind of computers and BFD and superior drawer and all that kind of thing. But if I was doing any live stuff, this sounds like a no-brainer. You know, if I needed anything, if I needed to go out and have anything using sticks, I, I don't really see what else you would buy other than this, to be fair. I mean, you know, if you've got everything built in with that amount of sampling, that's, you know, you can literally recreate whatever you wanted to recreate. Couldn't you? I mean, realistically. Exactly. I mean, it, it, it's really well geared up to, I mean, you know, the, pro, the production process for many people. If you're not actually creating with loops, you know, you create this sort of beautifully constructed record and then you've got to try and build a band around it. Maybe you don't want just a live drummer. You want to use some of those wonderfully crafted drum sounds that, you know, make the flavour of the record sound good. And the fact you can just sample them in and then they can play either sort of short two beat loops and, and repeat or play the actual kit and play that because you can i think you can plug in external pads as well so you can have a bass drum pedal and you can have so you can you can have it as part of a wider electronic kit which is a more traditional sort of shape but use that as your sort of tom's rack i suppose or have a pair of them and that it, it seems like they really thought carefully about that process because it always used to be very uh you know whatever you, whatever your tech and your drummer gear you know came up with whereas this seems like yeah you're right it's it, it's the way to do it now anyway certainly beats the whereas before it was the archives because i remember when uh, i was doing the pre-production for gold Frap, you know the drummer would always be the person who pressed load on the main s600 uh, which had x6000 rather which had his drums in and then a couple of keyboard parts from one of the other keyboard players as well because i think there were a couple of midi ins on that if i remember correctly so he would be in charge and he would have to kind of make sure that it was all loaded up and you know it just it, it's very it starts to become very um Technically complicated, I think, when you've kind of got these these unique systems. But, uh, but can I also say. just say? Can I also just say? Isn't it great when you talk about this? And actually, there's something really nostalgic about it when you're talking about doing all that kind of thing. I'm sitting there going, "Oh, those were the days with the S6000." <laughs> oh, you know, it's true though. But we forget the fact that you know these rose-tinted spectacles. That it was a nightmare at the time. But now, oh, wasn't it lovely? I've actually, I've got one sat in the garage somewhere. I'm thinking, oh, I should get my 6,000 out. Oh, it's a beautiful machine. Yeah, yeah when it kind worked. of. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm I still, not so sure I still have my Crestwall K2000 sitting over here, and, you know, I keep Yay. thinking, oh, yeah, I, I love the sound of floppies. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. and oh, it, hey. it is it's an internal... Uh, Hundred megabyte hard drive, and I remember when I got that, that was super expensive, and it, it makes a lot of noise. So I have to park it all the time because it's so loud. But yeah, I, I, the keyboard part of that's great. But loading in samples, I, I've been on stage, loading in samples, and just like going, you know, looking at the singer, going, keep talking, keep talking. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, almost, almost, almost. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Sorry, who was that? I was going to say, no, no, it's no. only me. No, it's only me. I was only going to say, I know it's slightly off subject, but I do just need to go while we're talking nostalgia. Did, do you remember before I told you, I don't know how many months ago, that, that um, Midge had given me his E2? Did I tell you this? Yes, I, don't I really did, did, actually. Yeah, so he gave me his E2 HD that was in quite, quite bad condition anyway and didn't work. 
and it's all up and running and fluffy and i get it in a couple of weeks time and it's all with all apparently they've they've loaded the entire it's replaced the five and a quarter inch disc with a usb thing and it's got all the emu library built in and everything and is working perfectly so i've got a, oh. an e2 hd plus on its way to me for nice. nothing well apart from the fact i've got to pay paula to um did you build, uh, but, uh, did they manage to did they manage to uh, um get did you get all the sounds that came with it as well no the drive was completely and utterly seized beyond belief but to be fair there was a grand total i think the hard drive in that was 20 meg so i mean let's be honest with you there weren't gonna be many sounds in there and this was like cutting edge <laughs> 20 meg <laughs> so that's pretty um, funny yeah but anyway yes sorry i just wanted to go along the nostalgia route well i suppose i I, I was going to go to robbie i don't know if he's there it's hard to tell whether he's still there or not because his video is frozen um i come in robbie are you there over i don't think he's there ah i think he's gone that's a that's a shame no i'm not seeing any audio actually that's that's always a good indicator that trust the engineer to uh, to spot that one, <laughs> and here I am with all the, and here I am with all these meters in front of me as well. Yeah, I just don't know which is which. I've just got loads of calls that say your name, your name. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I've got okay. that. Yeah. So uh, what else have we got here? Oh, there's a load of a load of EQs, and um, what's the what's the first one? This was the. Um, uh, the, this this was the one for, in this video, yeah, I'll right. show you how go. to use the Equivocate. EQ feature from Newfangled Audio's Equivocate. You'll learn how to make two tracks sound like they came from the same source, how to make two tracks complement each other using inverse EQ curves, and how to match the EQ from one finished song to another. Let's make two tracks sound like they came from the same source. Here's our acoustic guitar track. Okay. And I want to match the EQ from this track. I don't know if I want to watch the entire thing, but th- this is a, um, it's an EQ that's come, uh, it's like a, 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 a joint effort between uh, Eventide and Newfangled Audio. And it, uh, is it the Mel scale? It's got some, something about the divisions of the uh, frequencies. It, it comes in a way that uh, it's auditory graphic EQ, uh, which kind of mimics the way that the ear responds. Now, Chucky, you, you brought this up, so I'm going to let you go first because I'm not familiar with this. I, I must admit, I looked at the interface and I thought it looked a little bit over complex, but uh, maybe I was just not really getting it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually it's deceptively simple, really. Um, but it, it, it's, it's an, you know what? I downloaded the EQ and I've been using it and it is amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It works so much better to me than, uh, other, uh, linear phase EQs and, and also matching EQs. It just, it, it sounds really good. Uh, so I've, I've actually written, um, quite a bit about, uh, perceptual coding, which is, you know, mp3 coding and aac coding and things like that which are based on you know the the divisions of the cochlea within the ear and and what they can perceive and what they can't perceive and that information that can't be perceived gets you know eliminated which is why you get such smaller file sizes um and this this eq works not based on perceptual coding but based on the same principles of there are certain ranges that the ear can that different uh sections of the cochlea can focus on uh, that part I think is brilliant. Also, I think the fact that you can you could 
drop all the way down to a one band EQ, four band EQ, all the way up. To yeah, 26. I like the look of that. That looked kind of interesting. Yeah. And then I, I tried the um, I tried the the matching EQ, and as a so I, I don't know if I would use the EQ in a mix, but I would definitely use it in mastering. And I tried the matching point, uh, matching part in a mastering session, and it was it was striking how well it works and, and how easy it was. You know, just basically you feed a sidechain line to it, it analyzes it, and and in real time starts EQing what you have it on. And it's it's great. It's really great. I mean, I just I love this thing. So that's that, that's interesting. That's interesting. And yeah. it's actually uh, what's even more amazing is it's free until the end of October. It's normally ninety nine bucks. Yeah. So, uh, but as you can see there, there's a, a, you can change the tilt and the Q sort of factor of each of the these bands, but you can also reduce it, like you say, to sim, uh, to single bands. And it's got some fa- fairly smart stuff. I I just I haven't had a chance to download it and have a look because I only heard about it today. But it's an interesting uh, idea. And I, I mean, are you kind of looking for a new EQ in your lifetime? I mean, is it something that you, you, you think about so much? Last week. I could have done ah. with this last week. Well, no, only because I mean, I've I've had I've tried matching um, EQs for years now. I mean, the one that always used to work best for me was the old one on the PowerCore, um, the TC one. That was that was a really great matching EQ. But I haven't found one that's kind of worked quite as well since. But the, I mean, you know, kind of uh, yeah, things like this are really interesting. And the fact that with the inverse EQ thing. Um, yeah, I mean, if if you find some, as you said, really, if you find some good EQs that work for you, you stick with them and they use them on everything. And one that I came up with, it's not exactly an EQ, but have you, have you come across Trackspacer? Does this ring any no. bells with you? Let me have a look. I'll see if I can it's, search it up. I can promise you, when I was coming to the end of the mixes on, on Midge's album, um, I would have been completely screwed on some occasion if it wasn't for. It's made by a company called Waves Factory, and it's it's the grand total of fifty nine pounds. And when I say this saved my life, I mean it literally. There were a couple of tracks that were almost unmixable because they were so huge. I mean the scale was was ridiculous, and you just everything you every, something had to give all the way on the line. Something had to give because you couldn't have everything on eleven all of the time. And wave um, and uh, track spacer uh, was a miracle worker. What it basically does is it analyzes the insert of the audio that you want to do the dipping, and then you have a side chain to, in this case, the vocals. So say, for example, the strings, and um, I then had uh, a feed from the guitar, for example. And then what happened was the string uh, track would analyze what was coming in from the guitar, and then... Uh, in real time, invert the EQ, essentially to leave a hole for the guitar to sit in the strings. And you could change whether you wanted it to do it a huge amount or just a subtle amount. Um, and what it, I know, and I know you can do this with dynamic EQ and side chaining and whatever, you can already do all this with a number of plugins, but this is just one plugin. And it just makes, pulls everything together and all of a sudden the guitar can come through because in real time, it's doing real time EQ dips in the strings or whatever you want to that sounds against. like a really smart idea it, and I, it I, is I, it it's incredible <laughs> and it's one of those that you take it out and you're just thinking no this this is impossible this is impossible to mix you stick it in and all of a sudden 
there's just space where it's needed. And the moment the guitar finishes, all the EQ comes back up in the strings and it's completely inaudible. I mean, if you turn it to extremes, of course you can hear it. But you know, if you have it about 11 o'clock, you never know it's there. But all of a sudden, everything sits beautifully. That's really interesting. I mean, don't you get don't you get the effect of like isn't it a bit like uh, multi band no. compression when it's not like that? Right? No, no, no. Wow. As long as you, again, as long as you treat it subtly, I tell you, Chicky. Once you buy that, all of your you'll go back to all these mixes going. Oh, I wish I'd had it for this. I wish I'd had it for that. It is <laughs> fantastic, and it is How as I said, I, 50, it might be fifty nine dollars. I was going to say I do that kind of stuff all the time. I use I use like a neutron quite a bit because the multi band compressor in it. Is, is really good and i'll do a, a, a feed and i'll just just you know just dip say the mid-range of a vocal against a guitar or a string or something but this sounds so much better this sounds so much well better. as much as i love as much as i love the isotope thing i was actually trying exactly that in that program and it i couldn't get it to match it at all it was still yeah a lot but it's a lot lumpier track spacer is just so smooth it's wonderful how many instances were, were you using in those uh, big orchestral mixes or were you just kind of doing uh, it again, one against was, another bus or something? Yeah, I, was, I think the most I was using, I think, was three, three or four um, instances. Yeah, and it was still quite happily sitting there. And um, as I said, there was one track in particular that, I mean, I would honestly say was unmixable and it absolutely solved it completely. So... Wow, no wonder you've got a big smile on your face. (laughs) That sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's worth checking. That's my EQ too. Yeah. Nice. I'm I'm Uh, actually saving it on my phone. (laughs) Excellent. There were a couple of of other ones. I don't know if you've seen this company called uh, Sonable. Uh, They've got smart EQ and intelligent filters. There was a product here which was kind of interesting. Which was proximity proximity EQ, which looks kind of interesting. If I just play this, it it, it kind of it does seems to do. So if you just check this out, like a really interesting tool this so you get like dynamic eq a dynamic uh, eq based dynamic reverb removal as well i mean they do also a dynamic eq and various other things and it just it looks it's a it, it, again it's a nice interface for this these are about 129 euros each again i don't know if you've have you is that one you've come across ty while we're on the subject of eqs uh, or is that no uh, i it is one that's completely slipped through the net i mean you know eqs like this are really interesting because you know, the, the market seems to be flooded off with two types of EQ, which is basically either replicating old analog characterful EQs or completely analytical, very scientific, very accurate EQs. And in this kind of middle ground of essentially things that are kind of um, creative, well, you don't have to treat them creatively, but, you know, kind of they can be treated in a very kind of creative and unusual way. They're the ones that are kind of interesting for me because... I've got, I don't know how many analytical ones, and I've got, I really don't know how many of the emulations of, you know, kind of analog um, characterful ones. So these are the ones that really interest me. So, I mean, I will definitely go and check this, um, check this one out, definitely, because it looks good. 
Yeah. Uh, Jackie, you come across I'm, these guys. They're quite a new company. I did get an email not that long ago, and they were kind of like, check us no, out. No, that sounds like something I'd be really into, though. Um, I was going to say, uh, I, I'm trying to remember if we talked about this already, but not, I mean, not on this show, but on previous shows. Uh, I use Surfer EQ a lot. Like, I love Surfer EQ because you can do some really strange things with that. Um, you can do things like have a comb filter, put it on a reverb, and then use MIDI triggering notes to to actually tune your reverb so it's in key with <laughs> all of your other things. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. Mm. I love it. I love it. And it pitch right. Nice that's the main thing. Is, yeah. It, it, uh, you, so, like, actually, I'm using it on one of your tracks, Nick, on the oh, bass thing. Oh, cool. Get that low, the lowest. Get the fundamental to get it to really come out, and it's it's actually just boosting the fundamental, and it's following the the fundamental the whole time. Not so that that's why that, you get this. There are only two notes. <laughs> well, I mean, with, in the harmonics in the harmonic <laughs> series, because they're they're actually higher harmonics, and I so I didn't just boost like a range, and then it's just any note that happens to hit in that range gets boosted. Ah, okay. It's actually specifically following in a very narrow band specifically following your fundamental notes so that gives you a bit more bass presence ah uh, i wondered it's, how you've done that really that's good. interesting oh yeah. cool why are you putting a lot reverb stuff. on bass why are you putting reverb on bass no 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 no. this is reverb. this is uh i'm just saying how the, the pitch writing eq works oh that's um, okay I'm, you can oof. no no <laughs> but i do <laughs> no no i never put never put reverb on bass although i will put a stereo spreader but only on the high end so yeah. because well, otherwise it just becomes a jumbled mess I yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> nothing wrong with it, as long as there's nothing else going on. Um, True. Anyway, well, that was our little EQ session. There was also, uh, did you see the talk shifter thing? I don't know if this is any use. Uh, while we're on the subject of plugins, I'm just trying to find it. Uh, I had it. Oh, I No, the I new waves. It. New waves mm. thing. I thought I had an EQ. Let me see. I must have. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Uh, talk shifter, talk drum shifter, which is uh, ah, oh, yeah, there we mm. go. I got it. This this guy here, which is uh, uh, drum tone shift. I'll just play it briefly, and it's just basically it just tunes the drums. If you watch this, oh, except again, I'm just playing the end of the video. <laughs> so basically, what this is is changing the fundamental tone of drums. Which kind of sounds pretty dull, but actually, it's quite important that you know that that drums are tuned properly, and particularly if you can tune them to the track, then they, there's something kind of quite magical about that. I'm told. I mean, I've never really been in that position. I'm guessing, Charles, you may do, uh, and uh, and because of that very reason, uh, certainly. And I don't know. Would this, could you use it live? There'd probably be a bit too much latency. But would there be any point? I suppose you could tune the bass drum to the room or something like that, right? You you could. Uh, you know, if you look on Wikipedia and the picture of me that's on Wikipedia, I'm sitting behind a drum kit for a reason. It's like, I'm just really into drums. And, you know, I feel bad for drummers that come and work with me sometimes because I'll go, uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to tune your kit because they rarely know how to tune their kit. Um, I'm really into tuning drums, but uh, I like to actually tune it. I like it because I'll, I'll have kind of everybody in the same room and stuff like that. And, you know, you'd have to put it on every drum track to, to tune it, like including the ambient mics and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so there is a magic behind tuning to the, to the track. And I always will do that. Will this work? I mean, 
it looks like it will. Although, well, like one of the problems I run into, certainly in a live setting, is trying to get the drums, you know, in time with what's coming out of the PA system. So I'm already doing a bit of, you know, like say a five to ten millisecond delay from where the kick drum is to the front house PA, and and then delay systems behind me. Um, but I imagine something like this is just would just add just a bit more latency and. It just seems huh. like it might be too much of a struggle for a, I, in a live I, 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 Hold on. Uh, just rewind a second. I'm interested. So you will tune the timings of percussive hits against what? The electronic sources? Is that uh, is that to kind of... Well, to, how, how, uh, just explain why you would do that and what, what, what exactly you mean. <laughs> so w- when you have a PA system sitting basically at the front of the stage, yeah. and then you've got a drum kit that's 10 seconds... Or sorry, 10 feet or two to three meters back from the very front of the stage, you know, the, especially the, like the drummer for OMD, he has a very clicky sounding kick drum. And I don't want to hear that click, the acoustic sound of the, the acoustic click coming to front of house at a different time than I hear the click coming through the PA. So I will, I will delay the PA back to how far away, because the drum gets farther away from me than ah, the PA. What, you delay finished. the whole PA or just the just the kick the whole PA. The whole PA. Uh, um, uh, generally. Generally, it's the whole PA because you do it based on the drums more than anything else because that's the thing that's going to, especially with like OMD, that's the most live thing that's on stage anyway. But yeah, um, and I will go through and actually and affect the timing on individual channels depending upon how far away they are from me. So I'll set like a, a basic... Uh, delay point and then i may go there and say okay let's put this particular instrument a little bit further back because it's you know if, it, if there's a percussion player say behind you know off to the side behind the drummer well he's even farther away so i'll or she and i'll delay all the percussion just you know one or two milliseconds you know it's it depends on how far they are uh but Interesting. yeah I, never i'm really you, you time everything you have to time everything otherwise it becomes a jumbled mess and then you also can run into phase issues if you have a loud stage volume um things like that so you try to get the timing right and then you go through and check and see how the phase is working between front of house and the and the monitors <laughs> it's mm. that's why it takes all day long to set up a show wow okay no, I, I, I wasn't I'm, aware of that Sorry. i'm really disappointed when we did the uh the sonic uh state live thing <laughs> Gaz didn't set any of that up. I mean, we were in a room that was, I don't know how many feet, and there was no delay going on there. That's completely ruined it for me. The no delay, I, I, I can assure you, the delay the delay was in the stream feed because that was really, really I, slowly. So that compensated for everything. And also every, just, everybody being on a little late kind of helped as well. I, yes. I just sounded crap because of, the, because of Gaz not putting microsecond delays on the PA. Oh, that would, that's what it that, was. That could be it. I'll, I'll have a word now. next time. Next time we do something like that, we'll make sure we get it all about right. Um, well, if, you, uh, if there was only like some front house engineer that you knew who could possibly, if only there was, if only there was, I'm sure we could work it out. Right? How about this one? How about some, and now for something a bit lighter? This is uh, the new Vocaloid demo. We do this every couple of years because sometimes it gets better and sometimes it doesn't. And this is the new one. This is uh, AKA Cooney, who is uh, singing in English this time. This is the Vocaloid editor, I believe. What's interesting about this is 
Not so much the articulation of the words, I think. There's a, an articulation she sings, which is not vocal, which I quite like the sound of. Don't hate me for it. What I'm trying to figure out here is Vocaloid getting better or are the way that we've pro- we, the pop vocals produced sounding more like Vocaloid? Discuss. Uh, wow, that's... Uh, okay, so just so you know, I just finished the Chicken Coco record and one of the things that Coco tries to do is to sound a little Vocaloid-ish, yeah, I guess is pretty close to it. But the, the difference between what she's doing and what I'm hearing there is it. she actually sounds like a native English speaker. That's part of the problem with this is like it, like the pronunciation of all those vowels. Yeah. Those are all very Japanese pronunciations. Sure. And then, and I know there's a certain artificiality that maybe they're going for, but that's just, I could not see myself using that on a, on a track. That's just way over the, over the top. I don't think it's getting better. And, and the technology is certainly there to, to make it better, but that's that, that to me just does not sit well with me. (laughs) It's sorry. Oh, I no, interesting. Don't I don't know. I mean, I'm, I think maybe Ty, one of the earlier shows you came on, we might have covered the kind of co- concept of Vocaloid. I can't remember whether that's the case or not. You're looking a bit grumpy there, actually. <laughs> so I'm not sure what please, we're going to get. Please <laughs> kill me. No? Please. Oh. No. Chick's actually right. It's not getting better. And... I don't understand why it's not getting better because this is this is still the kind of it is kind of the holy grail because there are a lot of people out there that would you either use it in a creative way which I, I kind of get there's some people that kind of go creatively with Vocaloid but I've tried Vocaloid I mean I tried Vocaloid as you say I had one of the early versions and honestly it got to stage where I would rather put my head in the oven than actually work on Vocaloid. It was, I would rather scrape my genitalia on a cheese grater than ever <laughs> go down that route again, because it was just painful. And it was so painful. And the end results were always okay. And that was the best you ever got out of it. I know Mike Oldfield spent a long time with Vocaloid. And I, every time I read this, I really did just think, why? Why? I, I don't. I don't get it, but Chicky's right. There is no reason why progress shouldn't really be made here. Um, but especially after that violin, like, yeah, oh, completely, completely. But hearing hearing that there honestly makes me want to go and give up music and work in Tesco's, and because it's just it's well, oh, it's it's. it's, it's I just I, I would like to raise a couple of points. Right. There are lots of there are lots of other ways, you know, there's the Votalk thing, which is actually a phonetically sampled system. Uh as um uh who was it who said in the chat room? Uh P- PXPT said vocal uh uh blue is far superior. Uh, and that's something, you know, again, that's another kind of Votalk type it of is. thing. But you'd think it would be entirely feasible for you know somebody to fire like white noise into somebody's mouth and have them make vowel shapes and glottal stops and all of that and to somehow physically model that much more effectively or at least know, at least be able to apply that you know like 
and then you talk, I, you do it into a mic, and it gets applied to a tone, and it just sounds like a real vo- vocal shaping. I don't I, understand. I think you're right, and I think if I'm completely honest, and I, I I could be completely wrong here, I think it's all down to money. I think to do the kind of analysis that goes on within the business world and within the general everyday world of just analysing um, vocals so that people, you know, kind of the, the spoken language is doable and you know kind of the vowels and the consonants and the shaping of all of that in software there's a lot of money to be made there do you know what i mean there's so they put in the money to make that doable and make that happen and if you actually think speech synthesis now is it is incredible it's moved on leaps and bounds it is incredible the money that they would make by using a similar kind of technology and a similar kind of analysis and put it into making someone sing whichever way we want to look at this this is always a limited market the musicians you know it's a limited market and so so that kind of money will never go into it because they will never make that money back and i'm sorry to say but i really think that is the bottom line i just don't think unless someone really does take a big risk and put a huge amount of money into you know kind of making um speech analysis but you know singing analysis I think we're always going to be at this kind of level. And let's be honest about it, as much as we can mock the, the facts that, yes, it's an English speaking with a Japanese accent and all this kind of thing, at least the Japanese are trying. And it is only the Japanese that are trying. There's no one else that's doing it. You know, it is. So at least they're giving it a go. And maybe in Japan, because they have a, a different kind of music market and they view music in a completely different way to we do, which is very individual. And that's great. And this may work over there, but over here, Oh, I suppose it's a stylistic thing because the K-pop and the and the sort of uh, yes. cutesy pop yes. market is a big thing. Uh, but you will be pleased to know that there's also uh, a Vocaloid keyboard VKB100 spotted, which is coming out <laughs> oh in winter God. 2017. Which presumably we could load, uh, aka Cooney in uh, in English into that. So that oh. and there's a number of controllers on here. And there's something about that. It looks like a cricket bat or something, doesn't it? It's sort of oh, honey, honey, where are the razor blades? Honey? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? But I mean, but so there obviously is money in it to a degree, but it, it's stylistically fixed at what that market wants to hear. You know, there is something about that. It's, it, it's the, it, I think there's a, maybe it's a sort of, uh, it's a robot fixation, you know, because there's the robotic aspect to it, which is kind of quite charming as well. And the, uh, uh, a lot of the Asian markets are developing robot technology way faster than we are because, uh, but it's more to do with the kind of cutesy robot side of things rather than the sort of, big war robots and you know the, the alien predator kind of stuff so it's, it's just an it's an interesting cultural split but I, I'm, I'm quite there's something i quite like about the look of that apart from the logo i, I think that's uh could be useful somewhere nick, but yeah it's an it's nick, an interesting just, just think what you're saying nick just just think what you're saying there nick i could say I what i like yeah just just think about <laughs> it before you say it yeah charles i was thinking <laughs> that track you're mixing I've, I've had an idea for a vocal line I've, i'll send it over yes. <laughs> <laughs> get right on it <laughs> yeah absolutely well um we're probably we're, it feels like we're at the point of uh of, of exit because i don't know if we've gotten through to everything i tried to do my best uh, but uh i'm sorry we couldn't hang on to robbie but there was i think it was definitely narrowed down to his network connection and not ours or his technology because you guys will be working fine 
Uh, so I'm pleased to say you're all here. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. I should also, uh, before we go, I'll just reiterate the, uh, don't forget, you can join the, uh, the the Isotope competition to win a copy of RX6. You need to tweet the hashtag MixerFixer and the hashtag RX6 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. I did actually forget to plug a number of things, one of which are obviously our Sonic State merch. You can head over to sonicstate.com and there's uh, T-shirts and hoodies and and uh, mugs and all that kind of thing. So uh, please do avail yourself of those. I'm, I'm a terrible salesman, which is probably why um, I don't sell much. Uh, but anyway, uh, do check that. And also our Wave Junction. So I could quickly plug that quickly. Wave Junction, Max for Live Synth, two oscillators, five LFOs, five envelopes, three filters, multi-mode filters, 12-slot uh, modulation matrix works in Ableton Live, Max for Live combination. There we go. I've done that. Anyway, guys, thanks very much for joining us. I could do that because they're not a paying advertiser. It's just us, you see. But uh, I, I do apologise to anybody who's offended by my terrible attempt at that. Charles, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on as ever. Great and, uh, and, and good to see that uh, your network's holding up too. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Sublime-UK.com for all the things that Charles does. Mastering services, mixing services, all of those great things. So do check him out. And also, uh, Mr. Ty Owen, who probably doesn't need any work, so I'm not going to tell you where to find no. him. No, I don't want to do any work, please. None, please. Do you get a break break now? Are you having a proper holiday? I'm literally, I've got an American four-hour film that I'm meant to be kind of starting on immediately, and I've literally had to just say, please, just just a few weeks. Just So I'm just going to take it easy for, you know, two or three weeks, maybe even a month. I was meant to take all of September off, but I couldn't, you know, these mixes just kind of dragged on and on because of me. It's my own fault. So I am taking a break. I am actually Good. having a life. Take a break, chill yeah. out, do exactly. so, uh, you know, get some sleep, that kind of stuff. Do, don't go on. Don't, don't, yeah. Or maybe what you should do is just go on uh, um, Bear Grylls Celebrity Island where you won't, won't get any sleep at all. But it would be a life forming experience, perhaps. Great. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can see me doing that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for watching. Um, don't forget, I want to say thank you to all of the live YouTube videos, uh, viewers. I'm afraid I didn't pass that on. Uh, uh, YouTube.com forward slash Sonic State Live is where you can find Or if you subscribe to the channel, you'll be notified when we're live and uh, you can find out all those good things. Or also just uh, SonicState.com forward slash live where you can get onto our IRC channel for all of those things. Uh, what have we got coming up? Uh, we've got... Uh, something with the Espressive E Touche. We've got a really good presentation from a guy called Arthur. That should be coming out next week sometime. We've also got, I reviewed the Roly Seaboard block, uh, so that should be coming up sometime soon as well. And more things. I, I, I have got a Rev 2 here, which I've started to look at. Uh, it's going to be a little while till I get get stuck in, but I have to say on first... Uh, first um listen it does sound really good it's got something over the uh that certainly the last uh big dave smith polysynth i reviewed that wasn't wasn't uh, a pure analog the ob6 was lovely but uh, i think uh the the profit eight it's it's profit 12 profit no. 12 profit, yeah it, it sounds jolly good anyway so thanks ty thank you very much and also thank you charles thank you very much so uh that's it for this Glad week we will see you all next time look we can all wave We'll wave and that'll be the end of the show. So see you later. Thanks for watching.